0: Started out as a Baptist, and then uh, Randy Clark and I were in sister churches about eight miles apart from each other in southern Illinois, when back in 1984, he invited some folks from the vineyard to come into his church. And I was part of those meetings. How many of you ever heard that story from Randy? Anybody? Well, I was in those meetings, and we got wrecked by the Holy Spirit. It was really incredible. And we used—Randy's uh, church was called Spillertown Baptist Church, so we— we call those churches, uh, that, those meetings, the Spillertown Massacre. Uh, because not only were we wrecked, just wrecked by God, we couldn't go back to the, the old Baptist way, excuse me but we couldn't go back to that. And number two, most of us pastors that were in those meetings lost their jobs at some point or another because, you know, when you preach, when the Spirit of God falls in the Baptist church, sometimes Baptist deacons don't like it very well, but it's okay because God's in it. So I did some church planning in the vineyard, and then the last church that I pastored was a charismatic Mennonite church. There is such a thing as charismatic Mennonites. There really are, and they're awesome people, and so it was it's great, but I went on a a missions trip with Randy in uh, October 2011 I said we'd been friends for over 30 years but had never been on a mission trip with him and then uh, he asked me if I would be willing to come and uh, direct his education program so for the last seven years I've had the privilege of moving to Pennsylvania never been to Pennsylvania before and uh, really I'd, I spent 58 years of my life in Illinois And really thought that I was really settled. I mean, you know, I had my kids, my grandkids. My wife was a physician's assistant in sleep medicine. And uh, she had a better job than I did, was making lots more money. And God puts this call on our life to move to this place called Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And I'm like, really? But we we went there. And uh, by prophetic counsel and blessing by both the elders of our church and apostolic oversight, And uh, I'm on this journey of leading the Global School of Supernatural Ministry, uh, which is a full-time school, as well as we have a three-week intensive. I also uh, oversee all of the certification programs, which have physical healing, inner healing, and deliverance training, as well as prophetic training online. And get to do a lot of stuff uh, just seeing the power of God equip, train, release, and deploy men and women of God of all ages out into the earth. And it's a glorious thing. So I'll be honest with you, I thought I was going to pastor the rest of my days. And I want to say this to you, this year I'm going to be 65 years old. I'm an old guy. I'm an old guy, but I want to say this to you. I feel like I've stepped into a whole new season of life. I'm going for another 10 to 15 years at least of active full-time ministry. I'm going to go for it. Retirement is just not even in my eyesight because I'm seeing God do things in this day that I believe it's the greatest day ever to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I believe it is that we're seeing the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God. We're seeing more breakthroughs. There is more revelation that is coming. And I'm telling you that every time you get on the news and you see all the bad stuff is doing, it's nothing in comparison to the glory of God that's being poured out on the earth today. Can I get an agreement? Who'd want to retire out of that, right? So we're going to go for it in Jesus' name. So, um, so I'm here today to talk with you a little bit about this little side thing that God did, did with me. So how many of you know that God loves to surprise us with good things? We always talk about the bad surprises, but I'm telling you, the bad surprises are the devil. The good surprises are from God. So I was at a healing meeting with Randy Clark in Urbana, Illinois, uh, a number of years ago. And uh, my first year at Global Awakening, and this veteran comes up to me, an Army veteran. He had been in Somalia and in uh, Iraq, and uh, he'd been retired for five years. And he was suffering from a lot of symptomology of post-traumatic stress disorder. So he had chronic nerve pain. He was suicidal. Couldn't sleep at night. He had night sweats, night tears. He he and his wife couldn't couldn't sleep together anymore. And he asked if he came to me and he said, would you ask Randy if he would pray for my PTSD? So I went to Randy and I said, Randy, this guy would like you to pray for him. And Randy points his bony finger at me and he says, Mike? He says, uh, I'm going to stand with you, but I want you to pray for the guy. Now, I've been praying in healing ministry for over 30 years at that point, but I don't know that I'd ever prayed for anybody with post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, But how many of you know that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called? Let me just say that again to somebody in the room. God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And I feel like I'm speaking that to the new prophetic team that just raised up. Prophetic team, I'm just going to say to you, what you're doing this afternoon, um, our students do at our Voice of the Prophets conference. They, for uh, two days, they prophesy in teams over every single conference attendee, which is over 1,200 people. So I'm saying to you, God's got you, and he's going to give you everything that you need to fulfill what you're going to do today. But anyway, so I started praying for this guy. And one thing, I was, one of my personal mentors is a guy by the name of John Wimber, who uh, was the leader of the Vineyard Christian uh, movement. And one of the things John always taught us when we're getting ready to pray for somebody is you ask this question, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do here? Because God may have other things in mind than what you have in mind. So I asked the question, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do here? And he began to give me a download of some things to do with this guy. I asked him to look me in the eye, and I began to pray for him. And as I began to pray for him, the fire of God hit him, and he began to sweat, he began to shake, his eyes rolled back in his head, he went on his knees, and he came up out of that, it was like a ten-minute prayer, and he came up out of that time All of his chronic nerve pain was gone. He had complete peace. He went home that night, and for the first time in over five years, he slept over eight hours. He had no night sweats, and he swept the bed every single night. He was completely at peace. He came back, and he began to bring veterans to me that he knew in the congregation to pray for him. And I said, no, you pray for them. So as of today, Ron Nixon, the very first guy I prayed for in November of 2012, has seen over 75 veterans healed of post-traumatic stress disorder. He left his construction job and moved to Texas where he now has a retreat center for veterans and their families and active duty soldiers ministering to them, uh, getting them set free of post-traumatic stress disorder. So, uh, you know, I'm like, well, that's cool. God, you healed that guy. And then over the next year, I had the opportunity to pray for people who had post-traumatic stress. And I just kept following that, that download from, right? I'm like a deer in the headlights, guys. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, do, I'm just doing what the Holy Spirit's telling me to do. And people are getting healed. And they're getting healed of, of chronic nerve pain. And they're getting healed of suicidal ideation. They're getting healed demons are leaving them and things like that. And it's just incredible things that are happening. And finally, Randy comes up to me one day and he says, you know, you got something in that prayer model. Maybe you need to write that thing down. And I said, okay, I I can write it down. So I wrote it down. He says, give it to me. And he says, okay. And next thing I know, they're making a laminated prayer card out of it. And by the way, Randy Clark is the king of laminated prayer cards. You know, he just, he, he laminates everything. So... Anyway, so, and then he says to me, you know, Mike, you got really something with that prayer model. You need to be training other people how to do it, because we are an equipping, training, and releasing ministry, right? So I began to put together this seminar, and I go up to upstate New York, Watertown, New York, outside Fort Drum, and do my first seminar there, and lots of people get healed and trained, and uh, we're about five years out now, and I've had the privilege of not only going throughout this country, but in five other countries, Ukraine, South Africa, uh, Brazil. And we've seen over 9,000 people trained in this prayer model. And we have reports of over 13,000 people who have been healed of post-traumatic stress disorder and the symptomology of it. So somebody praise God, will you? I mean, this was, this was God's idea. It, it certainly wasn't mine. It wasn't even in my—I mean, guys, you can understand— It wasn't even in my radar. I wasn't even thinking about it. But here's the thing about God. God knows the dream that he has for your life. He has some things planned for you that aren't even on your radar yet. But as you follow him and walk with him and trust him, he will bring things to you that will be breakthroughs for other people and breakthroughs for you as well. If you'll just simply keep following him, keep listening to him, and he will give you keys to bring breakthrough to everybody's life that you meet. In Jesus' name. How many of you want to believe that for yourself, right? Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And I want to declare right now in Jesus' name that the presence of Holy Spirit is in this room with great power, that the Lord is out after your heart today, and he wants to bring healing to your broken heart that has been, he- that has been broken because of the trauma in your life. Let me say this. Everybody has trauma. Turn to somebody and say, everybody has trauma. Everybody has trauma. Everybody has trauma. And that's very important that you know that. It's important that you know that because the devil lies to you and tells you that I'm the only one that has that kind of trauma. I want to say to you that everybody has trauma, so let's just get over that first of all. Secondly, I want to say in the name of Jesus, I'm not here to trigger anybody. I'm not here to hurt anybody. I'm here by the assignment of God to bring healing and restoration to you and give you hope that there is healing from that which still haunts you from your past. And in Jesus' name, I just want to declare that over you and and say as we walk through this today that I, I under Bill and Tammy's leadership, I take authority over this room right now in Jesus' name. I break the power of the spirit of trauma. The spirit of torment, the spirit of fear, the spirit of suicide, the spirit of murder and death in the name of Jesus. And I declare right now that those demons have no place here. They have no authority to operate here in the name of Jesus and that you will just walk in the peace of God. And if you begin to get triggered a little bit, if you begin to get a little panicky, we do this thing called a deep cleansing breath. And the deep cleansing breath is actually something that's therapeutic. So when we start to get, feel triggered, we just breathe in through our nose. Let's practice it together. Then you hold it for a minute. <laughs> and then breathe out. Okay? Then breathe out. And that actually releases the tension. Is that okay? You just, it just releases the tension a little bit. So anyway, get in your Bibles. Let's turn to Psalm 67. We're going to have a good time today. We're going to have a good time today. Go to Psalm 67. You see, I, I honestly, as I told you, trauma was never uh, on my radar. But at the same point, I have learned that I can go after trauma with joy. Because it says about Jesus in Hebrews that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. And so I'm saying to you, there is no subject th- that with Jesus with us, we can not approach and go after and get healed in our lives because it is his desire that you walk whole, that you walk healed, that you walk in the full dream of God for your life. Uh, real quick, just so because the amazing Mark is out there, I just got to let you know, I do have resources in case you want to get some. Um, there's the first teaching at Global School is developing a kingdom mindset where you have to get out of a religious mindset or out of uh, maybe a mindset that you don't believe in God at all to understand that what Jesus teaches is about the kingdom of God and that what it's about, what this whole thing is about, about the kingdom of God coming back to earth, that God is the true king and he's coming back to take back everything that's been stolen in Jesus' name. So that's out there. Anybody have a birthday today? Anybody have a birthday today? Any couple have an anniversary today? All right, where did uh, the couple that just had the baby dedication, where'd they go? Are they here? All right, come and get this, okay? This is yours. Real quick. There it is. Congratulations. Bless you. Um, The seminar that I do uh, on healing PTSD is actually training people in the prayer model that I do. And uh, anybody can do it. As a matter of fact, you should be doing it because, uh, what did we say? Everybody has trauma, right? But it's actually because I have a I have a firm belief that trauma and PTSD is not a mental disease. It's a soul injury. Yeah. It's a wound. It's like you've been stabbed and your heart has been broken. And the Lord wants to bring healing to your broken heart and release you. And God uses prayer and the dynamic of the power of God. Who wants it? You want? Look, this lady's got her hand up. Come on. You want it? Come and get it. Come and get it. You got it. There it is in Jesus' name. One other thing I've got back there is, is one message. And by the way, there's prayer cards and stuff like that back there you get. But this is one message here that God told me to deliver. I didn't know anything about my dad's family. I grew up an, an, as an only child, had a loving mom and dad. Um, but um, I didn't know anything about my dad's family. I knew that my, my grandfather died as an alcoholic in 1933 when he was 50 years old and that he had drunk up all of the family fortune. My family were a, a hor- They raised horses in Kentucky, and many of whom ran in the Kentucky Derby. But by the time my grandfather, the grandfather Hutchings died, by the time he died, my family had to sell furniture to bury him. That's how much stuff was stolen from us. But he had he had 11 other siblings, and none of them had kids. My grandfather, who was the baby of the family, I was... It was the only one that had kids. And I never knew anything about my great aunts, aunts and uncles. One day, I, somebody sent me a free 30-day thing to Ancestry.com. So I said, well, I'm going to go look for them. So I want to say to you, when you start looking up your family tree, look out. Because you never know what fruits and nuts are going to fall out, right? When you start shaking it. So anyway, I I, uh, I began to find... And what I could find were death certificates of my great-aunts and uncles. And what I began to find was not only did my grandfather die as an alcoholic in an institution in 1933, but three of my great-aunts and uncles died in insane asylums from complications of insanity. Three others died of alcoholism. One died of suicide. Two others died of cancer. And I began to get this download from God and he began to show me the grace that was on my life. He began to show me that when I was a child, I would hear voices in my head all the time. And I would have dark things visit me in my room. And, you know, they were real. How many of you know they were real monsters? No, I'm serious. There were. And they, I realized they were out after me. But the grace of God that was on my life that kept me from entering into alcoholism or addictions or from insanity... And I began to realize that what it's about is walking out of the curses of the generations and the identity of what it means to be broken in our families and to walk in the freedom of who we are in Jesus' name. And that's what this message is about, is breaking free of those generational curses. So who wants this? Come on, right here, right here. Come on, come and get it. Come, come. I'm not going to throw it to you. I will hit somebody in the eye for sure if I throw it. So Psalm 67. Before we read this, I want to say this. Jeremiah chapter 1 says this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He said that to Jeremiah. He says it to you and me. There was a dream of God for your life before you were even formed in your mother's womb. You are not an accident. You may have been a surprise to your mom and dad. Seriously, you may have been a surprise to your mom and dad, but you're not a surprise to God. I mean, if you look at the statistics about that little sperm thing that connects, to, gets into the all that stuff, I mean, how, what the statistics are for actually that to be successful is incredible. So understand that the, the very fact that you're still here, that you're still alive, that you're on this side of the soil and you're still sucking oxygen, is, means that the dream of God for you is still alive. So I want you to see Psalm 67 real quick. This is amazing. Psalm 67 says, it's a prayer. It says, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that thy way may be known on the earth and that salvation, thy salvation among all the nations. Let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for thou wilt judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. And this is the key that I want to focus on. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Mark Twain said this, the two greatest days in your life are number 1 the day that you were born and number 2 the day you find out why. And in Psalm 67 God is saying to the nation of Israel, I took you as an unnamed, faceless people whose only worth was slavery and what you could produce with your hands. I took you out of that slavery. I brought you out of that bondage, out of Egypt. When I brought you out of that bondage, I literally poured the wealth of that nation that kept you captive into your lap. I put it into you so that you could be provided for and serve me. I took you out into the wilderness. I called you by my name so that you could worship me. I created you as a nation out of nothing so that I could put you into a land that would be full of provision, that would be full of blessing, so that when you, a faceless, nameless, people actually had my name on you, and I began to pour out my blessings on you in the place of my promise, that is at that moment that the rest of the nations of the world who are serving gods who require child sacrifice and do nothing for the people, the rest of the nations will look at you and they'll say, my God, look at those people, how their God blesses them, how their God anoints them, how their God uses them with great favor, and influence, your life will become an evangelistic message to the rest of the nations of the world that this is the one true God that we really want to serve when God blesses you, when he pours out his abundance of favor upon you, he does it not only out of his love for you, but because your life becomes a shining city on a hill that people can look at and say, I want what they have. I desire the blessing that's on their lives. So guys, it is proper, it is absolutely legal, and it tremendously blesses God when you ask Him to bless you? When was the last time that you actually went to God and asked Him to bless you? To pour out His favor upon you? To give you every provision that you need? See, I was, I was raised by a father who, who loved me he didn't know how to say it very well, but he loved me the best way he could because of, honestly, he did wasn't fathered by his father. But one of the things my dad had is he had a twisted view about his relationship with God. He loved God, but he would say this. He says, I never ask God for anything physical or financial. And it, it was really hard because I would read the Bible, and i would see people asking for that stuff all the time and so it was a kind of a twisted view of it and you can imagine if you if you as the father of the family never ask god for anything physical and financial god will take care of you but how many of you know that god wants to do more than just take care of you he wants to bless you above and beyond uh, Ephesians 3:20 21 says god desires God can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think according to the riches of his power that is at work within you. So I want you to understand that what your life before God is about is about walking in his blessings and his favor and his grace. The other side of this that you need to understand is that there has been a war against your identity. There has been a war against the dream of God in your life from the moment that you were conceived in your mother's womb. Do you understand this this boy, Ethan? Is that his name? Can you imagine the dream of God over his life? Can you imagine what God is going to do with this young man because of the war that you guys warred with this couple to take place? That God is going to use this young man, Ethan, in so many powerful ways and going to advance the kingdom through him because look at the war that went on just to simply make him live. It's an incredible thing. So what I want to say to you today is, where does trauma come from? What, what is the or- origin of trauma? What happens that we get so much trauma in our lives? Well, the first thing you've got to understand, and I love, because this is one of the core beliefs of this house, is that God is not the author of your trauma. Now, not all of you are convinced of that yet. Because some of us have raised up in religion that says, well, God makes everything happen, and so even the bad stuff happens to us must be God. But the problem is, is that that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that he's a loving father. That's what Jesus came to show us, a loving father, who's all about blessing his kids and, and helping them to step into the fullness of his kingdom. Trauma is not from the heart of God. Trauma instead is from the power of the, the powers of darkness that are out. Jesus says in John chapter 10 verse 10, "To steal, kill and destroy." That's the role of the thief. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus says, "I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly." That's not heaven life. That's earth right here. And guys, I want to say to you that you can't really enjoy full abundance of the life that God has for you if you still carry the memory, the wounds, and the brokenness of trauma. David, the shepherd boy, the psalmist, the king, was probably one of the most traumatized men in the entire Bible. He was traumatized through two types of trauma. There's, there's two types of trauma that I want you to understand, that David experienced both. He experienced, first of all, the kind of trauma a lot of folks in the trauma field call it trauma A. And that is when you didn't get what you needed from your parents. You didn't get the sense of validation. You didn't get the sense of identity. You were told lies about yourself because your family was full of so much pain that they transferred their pain to you. Or they just disconnected with you and they didn't see a disconnection. David experienced that. We know that because when Samuel the prophet came to his house and and God said, you know, you're going to anoint the king there. And the dad brought out supposedly all the sons, goes down the line, and Samuel says, the guy's not here. Where is he? Well, Jesse says, well, there's David. And there. a lot of commentators believe That David did not have the favor and the blessing of his own father or even the recognition of his own house, possibly because he was the product of another relationship. We don't know. The Bible isn't clear about it. But David knew what it was to not receive full identity as a son of the house. The other trauma you know about whether it's The fight with Goliath or whether it's be a warrior for Israel or whether it's being persecuted by Saul or whether later on in his life having his own children uh, go after him. I mean, he had trauma after trauma after trauma. But in Psalm 34, 18, he says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Later on in Psalm 147, 3, it says, I love what the Passion Translation says. It says, he heals all shattered hearts. See, when you've experienced trauma, it's like it impacts your soul. Now, your soul, what the Bible calls the heart, is made up of three parts, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And when you experience trauma, it impacts your soul in such a way that I like to talk about the soul like a glass mirror. And when you look in the glass mirror, you see a pretty good reflection of who you are. But what trauma does, whether you experienced it as a child, whether you experienced it as a teenager, or whether you experienced it as an adult, what trauma does is it takes that glass mirror and it shatters it on the ground. And then what you try to do is you try to look for your identity and who you are through that shattered mirror. See, literally the word broken hearted means shattered into pieces. And what trauma does is it shatters and affects our mind, what we think. It affects our will, our ability to make good decisions. And it affects our emotions so that we don't have full control over our emotions. And then on top of that, many of the memories that we carry are, are stored in our brain. And many times we get flashbacks or we get nightmares or we get triggered by sights, by smells, by things that people say to us. And so we always feel a little bit out of control and we always feel like that we're going crazy. Well, everybody look at me. This is a very important point. I have some good news to say to you today. Everybody's got some crazy everybody's got some crazy everybody does that's why these small groups are so important small groups and being connected with people is so important because when you're with a safe group you get to come to that small group and you get to lay your crazy out on the table because see here here it is listen to me the devil has you on a deception That if you let your crazy get out on the table, everybody's going to judge you and reject you. That's a lie. And what you're going to find out is your crazy isn't quite as crazy as you think it is because somebody else is going to lay their crazy out on the table. (laughs) And all of a sudden I'm like, family, this is awesome, right? (laughs) So a lot of folks who carry trauma think they're going crazy because they're tormented by their past, they're tormented by the things that have happened to them and they can't seem to get rid of it no matter what they try. So they do things like they use they self-medicate, they self-medicate through drugs or alcohol, they work themselves to death. They they're just all sorts of things that happen to them and and they they're trying to numb their pain, they're trying to actually feel something. See, one of the greatest things that's happened right now, this is why I say this is one of the greatest days to live, is that the medical community has finally recognized the link between trauma and addictions. They finally found that link, so all of the professional addiction treatment uh, industry is now having to change their protocol, and I know a number that are beginning to move to trauma-informed treatment, which is huge because it's getting to the root of that. But bottom line is this, guys is that whatever trauma you experienced, it has a tendency to wrap itself around your identity. Remember I talked about that shattered mirror? You begin to see yourself through the lens of your trauma. And and then what happens with a lot of folks is that they have repeated traumas. And see, there's there's actually a demon spirit called spirit of trauma that gets gets on people. You're not demon-possessed, but it influences you. And like it attracts more trauma. And you actually attract people around you that will actually traumatize you. And then all of a sudden, you become identified with the attack of the enemy upon your life rather than the dream of God that he created you for. I want to show you. Uh, I'm going to show the Joseph Tyndall video, if we could. This is a guy who um, I uh, prayed for at our school. And uh, he you'll get when he talks about what happened when he got free of some of his trauma and how difficult it was to actually let loose of his identity. So if we could show that video right now, that'd be great. The Joseph Tyndall video.
1: And uh, Dr. Mike was there talking about PTSD and trauma. And uh, well, at the end of the I we started praying for everybody's brain to be rewired. And started talking about how people had parts of their identity that um, was stolen from them, things attached to them that wasn't actually them. And uh, at the end, I felt stuff going on in my mind. Like I felt like it was, I guess, being rewired is the only thing I can think to explain it. And I felt stuff going on in my spirit. Started praying that my mind and everything would be rewired. He laid. His, he asked me if he could lay down on my head, and he did. And I felt the power of God hit me, and I started seeing. Um, I started seeing like the scenes and stuff that had happened throughout my life. Like I've had trauma since I was three years old. Um, abusive father. I've They were being shattered, I was feeling like this release. I was feeling like all the, the power that they had over me would was-
0: Guys, if you'd bring up my presentation, the PowerPoint, if you would. Just a minute. There's something I want to show everybody there as I close today. So this is what I want to say to you. The issue of post-traumatic stress disorder really became alive. Yeah, that's exactly right there at Isaiah 61. That one right there, that's what I want. Became something that was brought to the attention of the entire world and our American society because of what happened in this city on 9-11. Because what happened after that in the aftermath, what happened that those brave police officers, firefighters, first responders began to exhibit symptoms and there was a huge rise in suicides among them for many years. Many of you know that that in our country right now, the average is 22 veterans or active duty soldiers a day commit suicide. And it's because of the trauma that they've carried through what they've experienced on the battlefield. That doesn't call into account all of those civilians who through either abuse, through assault, or through accidents, or being in other disasters, carry memories that so torment them that they actually want to end their life because they listen to the lie that they want to end their life because it's too tormenting. I want to say this to you. I want to say this to somebody in this room today. It is not your thoughts when you think you want to commit suicide. Those are not from you. God created you to have a heart to want to survive. But you're listening to the spirit of suicide that is tried to steal, kill, and destroy the dream of God for your life. I'm saying to you, no matter how many times you've attempted or many times you've tried to hurt yourself, God is over you and he's watching you, but he wants you to be free. He wants you to be free of that because suicide is not the answer. Getting healed of the brokenness of your heart is the answer in Jesus' name. In Isaiah 61, the prophecy of Jesus was this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to declare good news to the afflicted, the poor, the traumatized, and the victimized. And this was his first ministry. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, declare liberty to captives, and freedom to prisoners, to to declare the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to... Comfort those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy for sorrow and mourning. The mantle of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, so that they would be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Do you see the identity exchange there? You go from being the afflicted, the poor, the victimized. He brings healing to your broken heart. He sets you free from the captivity of that which has happened to you. He's, he opens the prison door for the things that you feel guilty of, and he declares sentence canceled. and. And he says, as I give you a divine exchange, I give you a new identity. No longer poor, afflicted, victimized, and traumatized, you now become an oak of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This takes us right back to Psalm 67, that when you receive the wholeness and healing, the shalom of God that heals your broken heart and restores the dream of God, then God gets the greater glory out of your life because you become one that brings hope to those who have no hope in this world today. But understand, before you do that ministry, He wants your heart. He wants your heart to be whole and well. He wants your mind to be free of the tormenting and traumatic images that still haunt you during the day. They haunt you at night. They cause you all sorts of anxiety and panic and the Holy Spirit says today, I want you to be free of that. You're not to carry that. It is You did nothing wrong for that to happen. It is because of the dream of God that's on your life that the attack of the enemy is against you. And I'm here today to stop the attack of the enemy and to bring healing and wholeness to your broken heart. Next slide, please. In Japanese art, what do they do with broken pottery that they make beautiful... They make beautiful pottery and vases. But what happens when it's broken? Well, in our culture, anything gets broken, we throw it away. But they don't do that in Japanese art. Instead, they take broken pottery, that which would be considered ruin for anything else, and they take gold or silver lacquer, and they use gold or silver lacquer, and they put the pieces back together so that at the end, the original work of art becomes even more beautiful and that the act of breaking is completely restored. Mm -hmm. Next slide. God wants to do the same thing with your broken heart. He wants to bring the gold of heaven to pour upon your broken heart and let you know that you don't have to live with the identity of being a victim any longer. You don't have to live with somebody who was treated horribly by your parents and somehow that speaks to your identity. You don't have to live as somebody who maybe you made some bad choices in your life and it brought trauma into your own life and you think, well, God, I I have to bear this because God is punishing me and I just have to bear that. That's a lie. It's a lie. God does not desire you to bear any kind of trauma or any kind of punishment. We celebrate this week because Jesus took all of the punishment of our sins upon him. He bore 39 horrible lashings by a cat of nine tails that literally ripped his flesh and spilled out his blood, because it says in Isaiah 53, by his wounds we are healed. You see, we you need to understand this. In Isaiah, I'm I'm sorry, I'm going long, but I'm going here. In Isaiah 53, it says that we ignorantly assumed that God was punishing him because the punishment was so great. But the reality was God was not punishing him. He was being whipped 39 times with blood and bone and leather, ripping his flesh so that his trauma could be taken on and our trauma could be healed in Jesus' name. It is by his trauma that we are healed of ours in Jesus' name. so that we can actually begin to live out what 2 Corinthians 5:17 says. This is what 2 Corinthians 5:17 declares. If any person be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. All things have become new. How that translates in this moment is this. No matter what has happened to me, no matter what pain I have suffered, no matter what I've done as a result of it, because of the cross of Jesus Christ, I am no longer defined by my history, what I have done or what has been done to me. I am no longer defined by my history. I'm defined by who my Father calls me, and He calls me His beloved child in whom He is well pleased. I want everybody just to put all your books down, all your phones down and everything. I'm going to let you relax. We're just about finished. And as I ask everybody that I pray for personally, I want you to look at me. I want you to keep your eyes open. Because I want you to know. See, the reason why I keep my I make them keep my eyes open their eyes open is because I believe the love of God lives in my heart just like he does in yours. And when you pray for somebody and keep their eyes open, they begin to feel God's love pouring through you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence in this room right now. And I thank you for the love that you're pouring out in every one of your sons and daughters here. Father, in Jesus' name, I just make this declaration right now that according to Isaiah 61, you're here to heal every broken heart. You're here to restore the brilliant minds that have been hijacked by traumatic memories. And in Jesus' name, you're here to set the captives free who have been held captive by the things that have been done to them and the way that they've responded. In Jesus' name, I just declare the power of the blood of Jesus cleanses you of all of your sin, cleanses you from anything that's ever been done to you, And declares to you that you're clean and you're free by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, I declare right now, because you are free, you have nothing to be ashamed of. And I break the power of the wall of shame that has been around your heart, that has been attached to your identity. And I declare to you that no son or daughter of this loving God puts any shame, God puts no shame on you. There's nothing to be ashamed of. You are free of all shame in Jesus' name because you are called by his name. And his children... Carry no shame in Jesus' name. I also, by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, I break all guilt off of you. And I declare to you in Jesus' name the words of Romans chapter 8, verse 1 that says, There is therefore now no condemnation, because you are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So in Jesus' name, I break off all guilt off of you. I open up the prison door and I say, come out of it. Sentence canceled in Jesus' name. You're not being punished. You're being freed. And you are no longer defined by what you've done in Jesus' name. Now put your hand on your heart right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray healing of every broken heart in this room. That you would bring the gold of heaven and that you would heal every broken heart here in Jesus' name. I sever by the power of the blood of Jesus every assignment of every demonic spirit that has been tormenting you. I sever the assignment of the spirit of trauma in Jesus' name. I sever the assignment of the spirit of torment. I sever the assignment of the spirit of fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And you have a sound mind because you have the mind of Christ in Jesus' name. You're not going crazy by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I declare in the name of Jesus healing and restoration to your broken heart that the gold of heaven may come and put your identity back together according to the dream of God. In Jesus' name. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something weird. You just got to follow me, okay? Put your hand right up here on top of your head. In the name of Jesus, I speak healing to every traumatic memory and image that you carry. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, as Jesus spoke to the fig tree in Mark 11 and commanded it to dry up and die, I also speak to every traumatic image and memory, and I command it to dry up and die right now in Jesus' name. I sever the neural pathway that leads to your traumatic images and memories and the lies that are attached to them, and I sever in the name of Jesus your five senses, your seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, and hearing from being triggers to those traumatic images and memories any longer. As those traumatic images and memories dry up and die, not only are they no longer going to be present in your memory, but all the pain of them is leaving right now in Jesus' name. By Holy Spirit's power, in the name of Jesus. And I speak to your memory centers, and I say, wake up, wake up, wake up. Let there be a free flow of memory again, from your memory center through the right lobe of your brain to your prefrontal cortex. And in Jesus' name, that freedom would come into your thinking, that you begin to remember the good things about your life and no longer all of the traumatic memories and images, that in Jesus' name, your short-term memory is being restored. Right now, you're going to remember where your car keys are, your phone, and your glasses are in Jesus' name. And I speak healing... To the brilliance of your mind. Some of you, listen to me, some of you were diagnosed with learning disabilities. You were diagnosed with ADHD. You were diagnosed with all sorts of things as children without taking into account that you were being traumatized and abused at home. And that had an impact upon your mind. And I break the power of that label off of you in Jesus' name. And I declare you're not dumb. You're not disabled, you're not disordered, you're brilliant, you have brilliant thinking and in Jesus' name the Lord is restoring your ability to hold attention and to be at peace in the name of Jesus and God is rewiring your brain and your thoughts to begin to be the dream of God that God has for you right now in Jesus' name. And now, Father, I also speak to every system of everybody in this room that still carries the memories of trauma, whether it be from car accidents, Abuse, physical injury, or any other injuries in Jesus' name. And I release your nervous system, your skeletal muscular system, and your endocrine system from the effects of your brain on trauma. And in Jesus' name, I command healing and restoration and that your body and your mind be set to original factory specifications before the trauma in Jesus' name. Now, Holy Spirit, come and fill every place the trauma has occupied. Begin to rebuild our faith again, God, in a loving God who loves us so much that would never give us trauma. And God, restore the hope of the dream of God for every life in this room. Fill, 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 fill with the power of your love and grace. And restore the dream in Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. That's it. Bill, come on up, man. Wow.